today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's uh, time for the Chief's Town Hall. Uh, we do this every month, of course. Uh, time for the uh, Chief of Police for the City of Hamilton uh, to join us and uh, talk about a number of key issues that are happening right now. And there's a, a long list of those right now. So uh, to get right into it, we are pleased to welcome back to the program uh, uh, Police Chief Frank Bergen from Hamilton Police Services. Chief, thank you for the time. Good to have you with us today. Uh, thank you very much, Bill, and uh, good morning. Uh, Bill, will we have to now schedule these for Thursday if we do a four-day work week? Uh, we'll get to that, okay, Chief. I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work out with me either. I kind of right now. I know my superiors are probably listening, saying, "Ah, that's not going to happen." But uh, anyway, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. cross that bridge when we get to it. Listen, when you were on with us last time, we talked about a couple of incidents that were well reported and, and some trials uh, that had happened here, and, and, and the the, uh, the judges in both trials had some well, uncomplimentary things to say about police behavior and about how they were interacting with public. And you said at that time that you wanted to do something about this. You wanted to get involved with the community. You wanted to reach out. Uh, I assume that uh, this hate crime review that you're talking about right now is, is an extension of that, is it? Bill, it is certainly one of the components. That that other um, challenge with regards to racial profiling, uh, that al already has started a, an energy about us working with community partners in policy and training. The, the hate crime review uh, has borne out of, out of what has been um, something that I've heard for, for a couple years now. In, in 2019, you, you release stats and you, and you hear about the, you know, that doesn't reflect what the community truly believes. So we, we then shifted because we'd heard clearly from our review after the Bergen report that the LGBT community did not feel comfortable. So we, we in 2020, put on online reporting, and that online reporting got 108 uh, hits in 2020. Uh, this is that next extension bill, um, and it's it's about words are, are words, and I keep hearing that. I and, and the reality is this is my commitment and our commitment as a service to start demonstrating action. And so we look at this as an opportunity to, to work with our partners, our, our, our academics, to help us design and, and approach this difficult conversation in our community that affects so many, uh, and certainly looking at victim support and, and doing a better job at managing hate. There's a... a I want to get into definitions here, and I know that I don't want to get too deep into the into the wordsmithing here. Uh, maybe you could explain to our, our listeners the difference between what, because this report identifies both a hate incident and a hate crime. That that's it, Bill, and and quite often we get into what then is that next threshold of a crime, and and so it's one thing uh, to take a, a Sharpie marker and and uh, affix some type of rude or or. or um, ignorant uh, comment on a wall. Uh, it's another, though, to now punch somebody while saying those same words or, or actually attacking somebody because of the color of their skin. So it, it really gets to the threshold about the impact of criminality into an assault or into some type of uh, victimization beyond just uh, words. So in that instance, though, how do you treat a hate incident any differently i mean the criminal code is the criminal code and somebody crosses that line it's i think it's pretty obvious exactly what's going to happen and charges would be laid but but how do officers treat a hate incident do you, is, is there are there ramifications to that is there an investigation into that yeah, Bill, that's a really good distinction, and I'll use, 20, I'll use 2019 as a great example on that as we looked at 92 occurrences of that, and you remember um, 
67 of those were in fact um, a young gentleman who felt uh, compelled to take a, a sharpie and go around and say very hateful things and so once that person was identified they then were charged with mischief and, and so we, we don't attach it to a victim we attach it to what is the the actual affixed uh, you know, material, et cetera, so that's mischief. Um, but the other charges for in 2020, those that were eight, that were criminal in nature, uh, in, in many of those cases, that meant there was a victim attached, and therefore a charge, uh, you know, could be an assault or, or whatever the charge was that was accompanying the, um, the hate. I want to talk about what might happen going down the road here. And as you recall, back in 2017, uh, Police Services, Hamilton Police Services, uh, instituted a sexual assault community review. Uh, this was based on uh, some investigative reporting that was done by the Globe and Mail, as you know, Chief. And uh, it basically talked about uh, the number of, of alleged sexual assaults that were simply dismissed and said there was nothing there, no charges were laid, uh, which bothered an awful lot of people. Long story short is you had to go back in the files and, and reevaluate all of that stuff. Uh, and it's when this committee gets up and going now, this hate review committee, is there going to be a concern about what has happened already? Uh, because there are an awful, uh, an awful lot of people that I've talked to, and I'm sure you've heard from, that have said, look, it, uh, we weren't satisfied with the way police handled this. Uh, do you go back again and, and, and take those steps again to see if maybe there's, there was a misstep? Yeah, Bill, I think, um, and I always appreciate you really get right to the heart of the matter. This is our commitment to be transparent. And, and you spoke of the success of the Sexual Assault Community Review and the, the SACERT program. Uh, that would not have been successful if we did not have members of SASHA, um, Sexual Assault uh, Care and Center of Hamilton, the uh, Hamilton Health Sciences, Domestic Violence um, Care Center, Native Women's Center, Victim Services, our sexual assault unit, working with the Crown's office to do exactly as you speak of, is let's review, let's look at how we have done it. Those were based on unfounded, and we saw in 2017 there were over 34%, and those numbers now are down into the single digits to 3%, and, and in some cases uh, a little higher. But it allows us to sit as a team around table uh, to look at, in other words, how did we classify it, what mistakes did we make, and then it allows us to uh, change policy, allows is to affect better training. Uh, in sexual assaults, it's about the trauma. It's about better victim support. In that, we in fact hired an additional victim service coordinator to look at extending that support. Uh, Deputy uh, Hamilton right now is taking the lead on this with Tammy Ewart, and uh, this na next iteration for hate, uh, Jazz Dillon, our, our community relations coordinator, this is again is looking at how can we better meet the needs of victims of hate. To that point, one of the constant criticisms, not just of Hamilton Police Services, but I suppose any, and we can lump sexual assaults and hate crimes, I think, into this, is uh, an upfall out of victims will say, look, at, I, I didn't feel as if the officer that was investigating understood or had enough empathy for our situation. They didn't seem to put them in our place to understand exactly what was going on. You, you mentioned last time you were with us about officer training and about learning from, from past mistakes. How do you incorporate that into what you want to do with the hate crime review? Yeah, that, that is actually um, right on. And, and, and what we experienced with the recommendations that came out of SACERT uh, was looking at being able to understand the vicarious trauma, the understanding of, of use of language in gang, uh, you know, rape culture, things of that nature, that we were necessarily um, um, not falling in line with what was the best way to approach the victim. Victim services uh, will initially initiate the contact with the victim um, following the hate crime is one such avenue on that, but training about understanding within uh, sexual assault, 
uh, we understood is that there's not a cookie-cutter response. Um, victims can respond in such a variety of ways, and until we were given that training from uh, academics to understand that, uh, it didn't um, necessarily change our behavior. We have now since changed our behavior, and we continue to commit in our officer training all those opportunities for best practices. What about online? Uh, that's been a, a major area and a major platform for an awful lot of hate speech and hate crimes that have gone on in the last little while. Uh, are there officers that are, are going to be delving into that aspect of it? Our hate crime coordinator, Fab Mendes, uh, absolutely is quite busy, and we might we might even have to extend that because, as you're as you've depicted, uh, there's a growth in that industry about what people are doing in the cyber crime world, and as such, we do monitor it. But uh, again, we have to pay probably uh, a stricter attention to those needs, and and we'll be managing that as well. Who's going to be on this committee? When you're doing a review like this, who actually is are they going to be handpicked? Are they going to be selected? Are they going to be asked to be on there? Are you going to be looking for input from some of these groups you talked about? What's what's the process here? Bill, I think it would be a mistake for us to be handpicking these. We've put this out this week, uh, and we've already had um, our, our uh, hate crime coordinator and our community relations coordinator reach out individually. Uh, we were fortunate to participate with ARC in our in our community and being able to understand the larger impact and as such uh, what we're trying to do is, is allow the community and allow our, our our thinkers in our community our academics to help us form this and design it bill it will not be handpicked this is not a, a hamilton police um, committee uh, much like SACERT, this is a, a collaboration this is a group of people who have a common uh, desire to assist victims of crime We'll talk more about this as, as this unfolds, of course, and we have a limited amount of time now, but a couple of other things I do want to touch base on, uh, Chief, and I appreciate your time on this. Uh, one of them being uh, another issue that's come up here, and uh, that, of course, about defacing uh, public statues, things of this nature. There's been some incidents about that here in Hamilton. Uh, I don't want to get into the debate whether or not it should be there or not. That's a separate issue. What I want to ask you about is enforcement in situations like that. How do Hamilton Police Services look at something like that, and where do you draw the line between uh, a well, what some people are simply considering is uh, just a show of, of, of disrespect and of anger about what's up there as opposed to crossing that line and breaking the law. First of all, Bill, I think we have to acknowledge that, um, that, that a statue or some symbols within our, our community are painful reminders of the past. And, and so we understand that. So what we have played a role um, when we hear about actions that are going to be, uh, you know, such as defacing a statue or, or looking at some type of response, uh, we have used our police liaison team approach who then work with the organizers. Probably one of the best examples in the last, you know, 14, 15 days uh, was when we uh, woke up to the Sir John A. Macdonald statue that was shrouded in a blanket, and, and on top of that, uh, 215 silhouettes placed in the forecourt of City Hall. That, that is a respective reminder for us to understand the impact uh, of what is going on with regards to residential schools. But, uh, but as a community, this is a larger discussion. Uh, we may play a role. Our role is to keep the peace. It's community safety. But I also um, strongly uh, um, applaud what the city is doing, and I understand that they are right now looking at impacts of colonialism as well as impacts of statues and other symbols within our community, and I, I hope that we play a role in that. But it's really to keep the peace, Bill. 
I understand that, but the concern here is that uh, where do you draw the line between what you consider to be protest and what you consider to be a, a concern about breaking laws and things of this nature, vandalism, in other words, because I'm hearing both sides of this. You know, the people that did that should be arrested. That's a vandalism. Others are saying, look, at you have to have some leeway for peaceful protest here. You're right, Bill, and it's the same thing of defacing the roadway. It's about when it comes to actions uh, such as vandalisms, uh, we must take into account everyone's safety uh, is the number one priority, but the reality is, in a criminal code perspective, uh, to get right down to the bare bones of it, uh, any defacing of the statue would result in a mischief charge. We've got a minute or so left. I have to ask you one other thing, too. There's, a, there's going to be a soccer game on Sunday, Chief. I don't know if you've heard yet or not. Uh, the, the final of, of Euro 2020, and it's it's course as we know england against italy uh invariably on world-class events like this uh, there are usually some displays of emotion after the game depending on who wins uh we've seen some ugly incidents of that t 10 years ago in vancouver it just got out of hand um, even in montreal the other night too i mean i don't understand celebration means rolling over cars but some people just think that's their idea of fun what actions uh, or what precautions are you planning for sunday you know there's going to be some sort of a display and some sort of a reaction to the game yeah, certainly. We saw on Wednesday that uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously unsanctioned gatherings on that. But we are actively planning for Sunday's game. And the public can expect a large police presence in the area on that day. But we have to remind everybody, please, everybody, understand that we are not out of this pandemic. We are not out of the restrictions. So social distancing, masking, uh, making sure you adhere to what is now, you know, six people to a table, but those people are to be from the same family. So everybody, please enjoy the event, understand the emotion. Hockey's over right now. We're on the cusp of waiting for the Olympics to start. We understand that. But the reality is we're still in a pandemic. So everyone, please be careful, understand those impacts, allow us all as a community, all of us, to be able to enjoy our summer because we're so close, Bill. And with that in mind, uh, it, when there are huge gatherings like this, which we anticipate is going to happen on Sunday, uh, you mentioned about the COVID protocols, which are still in place, as we know. Uh, is there enforcement there or just reminding people? How do, you, how do officers approach that? Yeah, as things unfolded on Wednesday is one thing because it's managing the crowd. It's managing, you know, having to close down a roadway. But the reality is the impact of Sunday, of, of Sunday has to also be not only the COVID violations, which in some cases individually can be a ticket up to $880. If somebody is organizing an event that certainly breaches the protocol, that could be a $10,000 fine that then is dictated by the province. But what we're having is collateral, is, is we're having op open alcohol in, in public, so liquor license infractions, which can be a ticket of $125. Unnecessary noise, people squealing in their tires, people, you know, with their souped-up cars and their motorcycles thinking it's really cool to do a, a burnout. That, that not only is just offensive, and it's, it's a charge of unnecessary noise, $110, but boy, does that ever put the public at risk. It can be a celebratory moment turned into a disaster when somebody loses control of their vehicle. So everybody, take a breath. Enjoy the importance of the culture of the event, the celebrations. But again, A, we're in a pandemic, and B, let's enjoy it together safely and responsibly. Hamilton Chief of Police Frank Bergen, as always, Chief, thank you so much for the time today. We really do appreciate it, and uh, look forward to our next conversation a little bit down the road. I always do as well, Bill. Thanks very much, and good luck on that uh, four-day week. Our officers are already doing that, but on a 12-hour shift. So have a great weekend, everybody. Anyway, that 12-hour shift just kind of changed that, my attitude about that. Okay, uh, thanks so much, Chief. We'll talk later. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.